Welcome to the Embodied CEO Podcast. I'm Kirsten, and while I'm an integrative performance dietitian by trade, a mom of three, and a wife, I am also a nearly two-decade entrepreneur turned business mentor, and I've seen all sorts of iterations of how to do business. And I'm tired of female business owners not fully stepping into their power because the road we've been told we have to take to get here sucks. In this podcast, I'm empowering entrepreneurs to trust their voice and expertise, to start thinking big when it comes to their business, and to move forward unapologetically toward goals that don't have to make sense to other people. Let's have the big conversations. Let's lay it all out on the table. And let's support each other forward in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. Oh, and let's have some fun while we're doing it. Welcome to another episode of The Embodied CEO. I am super excited to have our first guest of the season with us today, Chandler. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you. So everybody today, you're in for a treat because we are going to dig into something that I haven't done on this show before, but I've had these conversations with her offline and they're fascinating to me. But first, let me introduce my guest. Chandler is an intellectual property attorney and founder of Lethal Legal, which recently went through a rebrand, which is so cool because I love the new logo and I love the new name. But what she does and why I adore her is she helps business owners secure rights to their brand so they can scale stress-free. In other words, she makes sure your ass is covered so that what you do, you actually own. And these are things we don't often think about, but this is what she does. So I'm super glad you're here, Chandler. We're, we're in for a treat, I think, because I'm going to pick your brain on some very interesting stories that uh, I think you can share with us. If you have been in my world for a minute, you have heard me mention Chandler because I have done a few collaborations with her at this point, including a free masterclass about sort of the how of protecting your brand. That's not what we're doing today. <laughs> not that that's not super important because it is. And if you need info on that, call the lady because she is the queen of making sure that you actually own your IP, your name, your efforts, all of the things, right? So you're not out there spinning your wheels. And then in the end, you're like, oh, shit, I'm up a creek without a paddle because I forgot to do my homework. So if any of that isn't in place in your business, Chandler is your person. So make sure that you reach out. But today, I want to take us down a little bit of a different direction. And I want to dig into some horror stories. Think true crime, less brutal, right? Like we're going to start talking about, and if I'm talking to a bunch of women here, I think we're all the same. Like my idea of relaxing truly is like, let me go turn on a true crime show and see how they caught the serial killer. Like that's how my brain works. There's probably some psychology there that is uh, beyond what we can cover here today, but think true crime just on the, the legal business entity side, right? I want Chandler to kind of tell us a little bit about what happens when you're not covering your ass, because it can go really sideways. And coming from a person who who has built multiple businesses and we sold a business in the past, including its assets, including taking over the entire team. It was a big transaction. The legalities of that were mind-boggling. We had three attorneys on our side working on it. Plus, you know, the, the investor had attorneys on their side, the company that purchased us. It was a lot. It was a lot. And that was with having all of our ducks in a row. So on a much smaller scale for most of us, right? For most of us here, it's small business, just like my coaching business. For most of us, this is either a one woman, one man show, or we have a few people that kind of help us. But things can go sideways real quick. So Chandler, enough of me talking. Give us some idea and pick any story. Tell me, tell me what comes to mind first, because you've done some amazing reels on this as well. What are the kinds of things that you've seen either personally or just in the industry of where people absolutely got kicked in the shins because they didn't do their homework? 
So, okay. Well, two main things come to mind. One, I had someone come to me and they had a membership that they'd created and they'd scaled it pretty well. Like, I mean, it was a, it was a fairly large membership and she came to me and she's like, okay, I have this membership. It's really established. Now I want to trademark it, which is what a lot of people do, right? They come to me. I have this established. Now I want to own it after it's already established. And so we start working on the clearance search and I'm like, Hey, listen, you can't own this, right? There's already another trademark that is the same or too similar to what you want to trademark into what you want to own. If we move forward with this, two things. Number one, it's going to get rejected. I can tell you with, of course, I can never make any guarantees, but 99.99% certainty, this is going to get rejected. And number two, it's going to put you on the map, right? And I don't want, I don't want to notify anyone necessarily about you or what you're operating as because then obviously people can start coming after you. People can come after you no matter what, but I'm not going to, I don't want to take any steps to already put you on the map. Can I ask real quick, what happens if that actually, like, do people get a cease and desist? Like what happens? What's the actual like flow of things? I'm imagining somebody like, you know, you've been served. So best case scenario, it just gets rejected by the USPTO. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, yes, you are going to get a cease and desist. It's probably going to land in your mailbox, in your email box, whatever. Someone's not going to come serve you right. Well, granted, they could, but as a measure of good faith, most people are going to start out with sending a cease and desist. They're not going to jump straight to a lawsuit, which you would have to be personally served in that circumstance. However, if things are going back and forth via cease and desist and things don't get resolved, then yeah, that's when you're going to get served. And then you're literally up a creek. Well, not literally, figuratively up a creek yeah. because then you you have to shut down what you've been doing, right? Like that exactly. cease and desist exactly. means you can no longer operate like this. Not just, hey, let's rename the thing before we make a bunch of noise. But it's like at that point, you have to shut down the business component. Correct. Correct. See, I so told you all horror those, stories. Like that's a horror story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, but that didn't happen. Tell me that didn't happen. No, it did not happen. But I, 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 she didn't necessarily like what I had to say, right? Sure. I don't like telling people what they don't want to hear. I don't. I don't want to have to tell you things you don't want to hear. But she did not love what I was having to say, although it was fact. And she kind of was going back and forth with me. Well, what if we add the? It doesn't make a difference, you know, before the name. Adding the doesn't substantively change the mark. If you add an S, it's not going to substantively change the mark. Make something plural. If you add a hyphen or a dash, that doesn't substantively change the marks. We went back and forth over all these options and she had so much resistance towards changing her brand name, which I get, I I hear you, but there's just so much liability and risk that if you don't, because I, which I will get to that in a second, the other horror story of what happens when you really do get sued, right? So I don't know what happened. I don't know if she ever ended up, she was like... I don't want to do anything right now. And she just kind of ghosted me. And I'm like, okay, well. Are you serious? Like, so she might still be out there doing the thing under the other name and just maybe never, like so far hasn't gotten Uh caught and therefore it's still working. But okay, let me ask you this question though, because you said she had built this up already. So like, I'm guessing her hesitation was, this name is known. People know me by this. I have done all this marketing. And and as a person who has had to go through a complete rebrand, because I also was the jackass who didn't do it in time. Now, it wasn't to that degree. I didn't, you know, there wasn't a, a significant membership. It was literally me changing my name. Still super painful. Like, I cried about it, you know, because you and I did this work. Day. I cried about it. You didn't maybe see me do that. But like, I was all sorts of pissed. 
mostly at myself for not thinking ahead of time. But I think the biggest piece for so many of us is when we start our business, we're like, oh, I'm doing this little thing. I'm doing this little thing on the side, which as a business coach gets me to the place of like, you're either in or you're out, right? Like shit or get off the pot. You're either in the business or you're not in the business. Like you're either starting a business or you're not. If you're halfway in and you don't take it seriously because you don't want to put the money down, you don't want to put skin in the game, you don't want to, you know, actually get into it then yeah, you kind of maybe deserve it when at the end somebody goes, but you can't function like this because this is my business and I already got the name out and I was legit about it, right? Like right. I, I get that it's scary. Nobody wants to rebrand. You just went to, through a voluntary rebrand and I'm sure you noticed how much work it is to do a rebrand, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you're changing everything. You're changing websites, you're changing logos, you're changing all the wording that's already out there. You're You're changing what people know about you. But I watched your rebrand on a side note, obviously, because I watched the timeline of your rebrand, but it was so clear what you were doing. It was simply a, we're rebranding. Do you know what I mean? So I always feel like these are the things that even if we didn't do the legwork ahead of time, once we know we have to do it, let's get in front of it and be proactive right. and do it the proper way instead of just ghosting it until eventually the other company sues your ass and now you shut down your business. Well, which brings me to my next story. So I had clients who came to me, they received a cease and desist. And they were like, hey, we received a cease and desist from this other person who does something similar. We are using a name that is almost identical. And the person who sent the cease and desist, of course, had a registered trademark. And as much as you want, I want to advocate for my clients, right? And I want to fight for my clients. Sometimes it is what it is. You are infringing and there's right. nothing I can do about it. I get that it wasn't coming from a bad place. I get that you didn't mean to. I get that the intention wasn't there. But when it comes to the law, ignorance is not bliss, right? right. This intention- is like saying I didn't know it was illegal in your state to do X, Y, Z. The law does not care. Like that's up to you to not do the thing. If you do the thing, you are guilty. It's like, remember that kid in the 90s? You and I are old enough to remember my year younger than me, but maybe you'll remember. Remember that kid in the 90s that like, I think it was in Singapore or Thailand or something who got caned because he like spit on the public street or something. I forget where it was. And he's like, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And they're like, we don't care. We don't care that you're foreign and you don't know the law here. This is the law and here's the punishment. And there was nothing anybody could do about it because that was it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I stress the importance of clearance searches. And people are just like, just go file my application. And I'm like, we're not doing the proper due diligence. The application part is truly like 50% of it. Obviously, we need to get it filed to get it registered. But it is equally important to do the strategy element first, which includes the comprehensive search, making sure that you're properly clearing the name and then no one else already has something that's the same or similar. Even if you're not ready to file a trademark right away, you still need to do your due diligence to make sure that no one else is already using a name that is the same or similar, because then you can end up in this situation where, right, these clients received a cease and desist. And it was one of those situations where this person isn't going away without some type of monetary settlement. And you are in a rock and a hard place because you don't want to give them that money. But if you don't give them that money, you're going to court and the evidence is there. The facts are the facts. It's kind of unrefutable. It's not like there was much gray area here. It was blatant infringement. Again, the intention wasn't there, but it was blatant infringement. And if you go to court, things are going to get so much more costly and so much more expensive. So these clients had to pay out over a six-figure settlement. Oh my goodness. 
I think that's wild because in my mind, even when I think, oh, somebody sends you a cease and desist, I think, oh, they're going to be like, dude, please stop using my name and then go yeah. away, right? If you comply, they'll go away. But like you said, there's always people who are going to be like, ooh, there, I have a monetary opportunity here. So therefore, which, you know, is not to pass judgment that that's right or wrong. I don't know the full circumstance and whatever. And that person, I'm sure, did a lot of work to build their business. But there's going to be somebody who then, like you said, has the legal right to say, dude, I have this filed. I paid this money. I did my due diligence. You didn't do your you're infringing on my stuff and now you got to pay me for using my name this whole time. That is wild though. But like you said, if you go to court, now you're paying court fees. The court's probably going to get a higher fee on top of that. My God, what a nightmare. And, and the other thing, which brings me back to the first situation of this person's like still operating, building the membership, whatever. The first scenario, it's not just if you are caught infringing and someone wants to come after you for infringement, it's not like, oh, you just have to pay out a settlement for infringement. They can also disengorge you of all the profits you've made using that infringing term. Every single penny that you have made using an infringing term is not yours. It is someone else's and they can take it from you. So if you have a business that's been operating for like five years and you've made a million dollars in revenue or profit, whatever, you have to pay that back to the other company? Yep. Okay, so I started this episode by saying not as brutal and not as gory as real true horror, but my God, like I feel gutted just hearing that. Could you imagine? So you built this business and you built something that is viable, even if it isn't viable, like both are worst case scenario. You have a small business that is barely functioning and now this will bankrupt you, right? This yep. will bankrupt you and your business is just done. And or you have a large business that has made a huge amount of money and it could also still bankrupt you, but at the very most, it's going to take all of your profits just uh -huh. to keep yourself alive and not have further legal action taken against you. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, the people who are in the process of like going through a divorce or they're trying to leave their full-time, their nine to five, or they have kids or they're part-time in school, part-time business. And it's just like these situations genuinely happen. And I, I get that securing the legal side of your business, trademarking your brand upfront, there's an investment piece there. There's a cost to it. But that money that you're going to spend doing that, that $3,000 that you're going to spend is going to save you 300000 to $3 million down the road. And you know, I'll tell you as somebody, again, who has started many, many businesses, I think the thing that everybody gets in their own way with business is the startup cost, right? Because yeah. we all look at, oh, it's online. All you need is Wi-Fi and this, this. And that's true to a degree, but you have to understand that there are actual things beyond buying a computer that have to be in place. And I think the legal piece, like you said, is a thing people think about after they've established a business. But really, like even when I file LLCs now and I own several, my very first LLC I ever filed, I filed myself with the state, right? I was like, yeah. here's $110 yeah. and I just filed the thing. I haven't since. I now file my, my LLC through attorneys because I make sure that they establish everything correctly. The articles of organization are correct. The managing you know, members are listed correctly. The meeting minutes and everything that needs to be filed every year is done. You know, The annual report that needs to be filed that nobody thinks about. By the way, if you own an LLC, you're supposed to file an annual report in case you didn't know that, regardless of whether you're using your LLC or not, by the way. None of those things I used to think about. 
until we started getting into more serious business. And now everything, like my daughter is about to start an LLC. She's 15. We're about to start an LLC for her. And I'm going to spend $1,500 to legally, properly, through an attorney, establish her LLC when I could just do it up for $110 myself through, you know, the whatever Secretary of State website. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do it the right way. And granted, I'm now in a position where I can do that, but $1,500 is still $1,500. Yeah. But this is the piece I think that if we all just did that from the start, then everything you do in your business, you can feel confident and secure that it's actually yours, that it's not built on a house of cards, that somebody could just come by and go, by the way, not only am I blowing up the cards, but now you have to buy me a new deck. What? It's about being proactive versus reactive. And I mean, that's what it comes down to. But people, I mean, I get it because it can seem like a large upfront cost. It can seem scary. And I I validate that because people's feelings around that are very real. But when you constantly work on the flip side of that, right? Like I see the consequences all the time of what happens when people don't set things up properly. It's just, it's not optional to make sure you have everything secured because the expense of dealing with those consequences is vastly greater and vastly more expensive than what you would do if you were just proactive about setting yeah. things up properly. To me, it's, it's almost like insurance. I've always said this thing about mm-hmm. insurance. I'll tell you a funny side story real quick. It'll be a short tangent. But when I was 11, we used to live in Germany. And every summer, we'd go on like a family trip summer, right? So when you're in Germany, you can go to a bunch of places because everything is like, you know, 300 yards long and yeah. you're in another country. Like everything is tiny, right? Yeah. So we went to Ireland and my dad, we rented a houseboat. We went down the Shannon River for a week on this houseboat. My mom can't swim, by the way, why the woman didn't divorce the man, I don't know. But anyway, we had an amazing <laughs> vacation, the rest of us, on this houseboat. And my dad decided that he did not want to buy the supplemental insurance because he's like, what could happen? And I'm like, um, now as an adult, I'm like, oh, anything, literally anything, but whatever. My dad didn't want to pay for the supplemental <laughs> insurance. Long story short, he ran the boat aground because he missed one of the buoys and he had to replace the propeller of the boat. (laughs) And that story, even though I was only 11 years old, stuck with me so much. I buy insurance for everything. You know why? Because when you buy it, you don't need it. It's when you don't buy it. My dad has never had an issue or an accident of any sort with anything else. The one time that he did not buy insurance, we had to replace the freaking propeller on on a dang boat on the river, right? This is insurance. And the first time I've now filed three marks with you, right? Like three times I have done this. The very first time, and you remember this, the very first time I reached out to you and I was like, I want to file this trademark. I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because I'm like, oh my God, it's so much money. Oh my God, it's so much money. But the first time that was filed, the sheer relief I felt of like, that is done. I own that. I can do whatever I want to do with that. It is mine. No one else can come and take this. No matter what I put on the website, no matter what I put out, it is mine. And I think it's sort of the investment is kind of like, you know, when in your house, you buy a new air conditioner and like, you know that it's doing something positive, but it's not like buying a new couch or like, you know, buying, buying a new fancy piece of furniture. Like you can't see it. (laughs) You can't see the improvement, but you just know it's there. Like you just feel confident in the fact that I don't have to do this for 20 years. This air conditioner is good. That's the feeling. And I haven't hesitated since, right? I filed the first one, but then within like six months, I filed the second one. Mm-hmm. immediate. And then as soon as I knew I was going to need this third one, literally before we even started doing anything with the thing that we're about to rebrand, I went to you and I said, let's file it. Like it gets easier the more often you do it. And it didn't get cheaper. It still costs the same. Like it's not cheaper, but at this point I've invested well over $10,000 in making sure my stuff is protected because it also pays dividends tenfold, 20 fold when I don't later have to go back and give somebody else money for things that I created. Right. And on the flip side, you have a right of recourse for when 
if people try and infringe on you. So for example, when you own IP, it's just like owning a home. It's like owning real property. So imagine you own a bunch of physical land. When you have a trademark, you own, it's you know intellectual, but you own this little piece of land, right? And if people try and come in on your real property, you're going to be like, get off my property. Who are you? What are you doing? Right? I own this land. Well, when you have IP, when you have in, your intellectual property and you own your intellectual property, you can tell people the same thing. Get off my land. But if you don't own it, anyone can come, squat, pitch a tent, build a house. And you're sitting here like, this was my idea. I started this. Like, I started cultivating this little area of land and people are like, well, you don't own it. So it's communal property. We can come in too. I love that analogy. It's it's like the deed to your house. It's like, it means nothing unless your name is on the deed. It's like, you will have squatters and you have no recourse to squatters when you cannot show that you have the deed and your name is on the deed. I love that analogy. And people don't think of that because they just think, well, I've created it. Therefore, it's obvious it's mine. Well, and even if, and this is the key part, this was the key part to me, I could create it all and somebody else could literally be watching me create it and then file a mark for what I've created. Not even like accidentally, like we both did the same thing, but they could they could intentionally because people are sometimes assholes we know that they could intentionally look at my stuff straight up copy it file the mark while i'm not paying attention and now they own it even though i created it and they just blatantly copied it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. horror stories right like first to file oh first to file okay so yep. on that note tell us real quick because i love the story of yours tell us real quick about the one time when speaking of first to file and this is straight from the horse's mouth you guys pay attention this is from the lawyer I was so mad. So I had an idea for something that I wanted to create and I was planning on filing the trademark for it. And it was one of those things where it's like, I know what I'm doing. I could get on here and do it simple enough. No problem. Just fine. So I keep putting it off a few days. You know, I keep moving it over on my to-do list until like the end of the week. Finally, I went to go do it at the end of the week. And I kid you not, someone had filed something that was too similar three days prior, 72 hours prior. And I was like, it was on my to-do list this day prior to the day they filed, but I just kept pushing it back by, you know, till the end of the week. And in that 72 hours, someone went and filed something that was too similar. And I'm like, wow. How mad were you? I, oh, I was so frustrated because I'm like, I know better. I genuinely know better. And this is exactly what I preach against, you know? Well, and that's why I file trademarks for my clients so quick. Like if you respond to me, I'm going to respond to you. I want to get your application in as soon as possible because I personally know what it's like yeah. when you wait too long. And 72 hours can make a massive difference. Which people think means nothing, right? They're like, oh, it's been this long. What's another 72 hours? Well, the difference. Another 72 hours is the difference, right? Which is also though, and this is, I'm proud of myself for learning this process. You remember the very first mark I applied to, it took me forever, forever, forever to pull the trigger. This third one that we just filed, I messaged you, I don't know, let's say it was on a Monday, whatever. You got back to me Tuesday morning and we had the thing ironed out by Tuesday afternoon because I was like, I know what we need to do, just go freaking do it, right? I paid the thing, let's just go do it because I've heard the story. And I, do, I don't want to be that person who's like, I've waited this long. What's another 72 hours? It's the difference between doing it and not doing it. Wild. Why do you think, like, if you had to, in your experience from, you know, you've seen people do this, why do you think people hesitate? Or why, like, twofold question, I guess. Why do you think people, A, don't realize these things? And then once they do, why do you think they hesitate? I think one cost, I think cost is always going to be a factor that people take into consideration. But, you know, then again, on the other hand, it's like people invest so much in 
branding and copy and design and all these things are equally valuable, but your whole brand is built on these things, but you're building a brand you don't own, right? So it doesn't make sense to me. So yes, there's the, the expense piece. And I also think there's an intimidation piece. I think people can think that the process is just scary and overwhelming, which I validate too, because at the end of the day, it is a legal proceeding. But when you hop, when you hire my firm, when you hire me, I mean, you know what it's like, it's hands off. Like we handle everything. We'll just be like, Hey, update. Here you go. Good news. Moving on. You know? So I would say those are really the two biggest factors. And that makes so much sense. I feel like people, especially um, people when they start there, you know, and they, they use this language, my small little business, right? Like people talk mm-hmm. about their business in the diminutive so often, like it's not real. It's my little side gig, especially women, which drives me bonkers. Like this is your, your intellect, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience that you're sharing with the world. This is not a small anything. Like let's stop making that a thing for us women specifically, because no man will ever be out there and be like my small little business. No. They'll talk about, you know, like their garage cartooning thing as it's like, you know, earth shattering, you know, fortune 500 quality, whatever. So as women, we need to do better. This is a total side note. But I think because we start off thinking it's this minor thing, we don't think that we have the wherewithal or that we are, what's the word I'm looking for, that we are in the same caliber with people who file Mm -hmm. trademarks, right? Because to me in the past, way before these other businesses, like the trademark seemed like such an elusive thing. Like big, important people have trademarks, right? Like big, important companies like Apple and whatever, they have trademarks, but it's like, no, no, no. All companies that are anything have trademarks. All companies that are doing things correctly have trademarks. And hopefully you're not building anything of substance without having one because it's kind of like going out in public without your pants on. Like, just don't do it because it's going to catch up with you and you're going to be in trouble later. Like, it's, it, it, it's, it just is. And if you, if you never have an issue with it, I love that for you. But just know that that was absolute sheer luck. At some point, you're going to have an issue by not covering your ass. You will. And you don't want to take the risk of having someone come and disengorge all the money that you've made using a term. That is heartbreaking. And I've seen it happen. I did not know that that was a thing. And that like, that is wild to me. Like I said, brutal, brutal and gory. See, I told, I promised you guys no blood. Here's blood. This is the proverbial blood (laughs) of like somebody literally physically tearing your business apart because you've built something inadvertently under their name. And like you said, I think most people have no malicious intent, right? Most people aren't doing these things in order to harm somebody else's mark. They just probably honestly don't know. And most people probably never think about it. They're like, oh, I filed an LLC, therefore I'm good. No, that means you can operate as a company. That's all it means. It means nothing beyond that, right? So anyway, amazing stories. Thank you for sharing. I want everyone who uh, is not currently covered for anything, not just for trademarks, but for anything, you don't have your legal contracts in place, if you don't have your contractor agreements in place, if you don't have copyright information that you should have, if you don't have terms of use and privacy statements on your websites, all of these things that you're legally required to have, by the way, coaching agreements, if you are a coach like me, if you don't have these things in place, get them in place. And this, speaking of what you said a second ago, it's intimidating for a lot of people. Don't do them yourself because most of us are not attorneys. I am really smart and really good at what I do. You do not want me to drop your legal contracts because that's not my expertise, right? Like I will happily help you with business coaching and I will happily help you with anything nutrition related. I have several degrees in that. 20 years experience in the business world. I'm not an attorney. Go hire one. So on that note, Chandler, you were our first guest of season three. I'm super stoked that you were here. Thank you for sharing some of these stories. Tell everyone how to connect with you, what's happening in your world, what should they be plugging into, what's coming up at Lethal Legal Phyllison. 
Yes, absolutely. So people can connect with me on Instagram at lawyer Chandler J or on my site, which is yourlethallegal.com. And that's where we have all of our firm's services. And then I'm super excited because at the end of the month, we're actually hosting APP Live, which is Asset Protection Program Live. And I launched Asset Protection Program a few years back as an evergreen DIY course. And it was insane. People are still raving about it, still get DMs all the time. Like, look, I got another mark that came through. You know, it's officially registered because I use this program. And it's everything that I do poured into a program. I take a hard drive from my brain and I pour it into this program. And it's not just the how-to actual file, but it's the strategy element too, because I believe that you can file all day long, but if you're not infusing it with strategy, it doesn't do you any good. So I walk people A through Z through the entire process. And I'm so excited because we're hosting a live version of that at the end of the month. So the end of the month, January 31st, and then February 1st, I'm going to be hosting Asset Protection Program live. So people will be able to live file their trademarks with me on the call. I'll obviously go through the entire process, etc. But I'm super excited. It's going to be it's going to be really fun for people to attend. That's huge. I love it. And especially like you said earlier, the cost a lot of times is a is a hindrance for people. This is like learn how to do it yourself and then do it yourself 47 times afterwards if you want to, right? Like instead of like every every mark that I've filed with you, and I love that I've done it this way because I love outsourcing. <laughs> but like I have had you do it because like you said, I don't have to do a dang thing. I message you and I'm like, do the thing, and you do the thing, and then you tell me hi, it's done. And I go, amazing, right? But this is such an amazing resource for people to plug into to learn what they need to do and live. So they have you in their pocket to kind of bounce things off of while they're going through it, which I think is amazing. But we will of course happily link all of that in the show notes. So for those of you listening to this, please, please, please reach out to Chandler. If you have not filed a mark, uh, you need to be in this program, obviously, that is clear, because otherwise you are functioning with your pants down. We don't love that. Okay, Chandler, again, thank you so, so much for being here. For everyone, you know that this season, my goal is to leave you with a question to ponder at the end of every episode. So I would love to have you message me on social after you ponder this and share your response with me. You can DM me, whatever you want to do. And also email me always at hello at Kirsten Screen. Tell me where you ended up. This is the question I want to leave you with today. If push came to shove right now, is your business protected? And I mean all around. Do you have contracts, agreements, disclaimers, trademark protection to actually make all of it legally sound? and most importantly, yours? (laughs) Or right now, are you borrowing somebody else's idea without even knowing? And and would you even have a clue where to start? And then take that question one step further. And if you don't know whether any of that is covered, why don't you know? And then what are you going to do immediately right now today to make it right? And I don't mean sit on this for 72 hours because things happen. I mean, right now, what are you going to do today? Who do you need to reach out to? What resource do you need to find? What do you need to Google? Whatever it is that you need to do, why don't you know and why haven't you done it? Go get it done right now. As always, I'm grateful you guys are here to listen. I will see everybody in episode number three. Thank you for listening to the Embodied CEO podcast. To connect with me, Kirsten, head to www.kirstenscreen.com or find me on Instagram at the Kirsten Screen. My DMs are always open, so drop in to say hi. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share the Embodied CEO podcast. The Six Figure Business Accelerator is my entire framework for how I not only scaled my business in a way that felt exactly right to me, but how I changed my entire life. 
If you're ready to amplify how you work and live this entrepreneurial journey in the online space, head to kirstenscreen.com forward slash SFBA to find out more. Now go out there and take some action.